and you're very welcome to another episode of the STEM Inspirations Podcast brought to you by the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition. My name is John Loftus and on this week's episode we have our final taste from the BT Young Scientist Business Bootcamp and the person we're going to meet today is Mark Langtree who you probably know as the science guy but Mark has had a very interesting uh, life journey and career and it's fascinating to hear how all the different elements of his life have collided into the man we have today. I had a lovely fireside chat with him in Explorium in the Dublin Hills. So let's go and hear from Mark. This is Mark. Hello. You've probably seen Mark in some of the BT Young Scientist shows, yeah? Yeah, so Mark, thanks very much for welcoming us back to uh, Explorium. Always a pleasure. It's a, a little warmer than it was last year. Last year it was like walking into the vacant fridge. Yeah. No joke. So it's, uh, it's this is toastier than it will be outside. But you're going to be very active and running around like yeah. mad jokes now. So you're going to have loads of time to explore Explorium. Uh, but we wanted to have a chat with Mark first because he's got a... A, quite an interesting uh, and storied uh, career and journey to your life. Definitely so, crammed a lot in. Yeah. So as I said, you, you probably know him mostly from the live shows and from from TV as well. But um, science wasn't always your thing. And and, and, and you had a completely different uh, probably approach to your career in your early years to where your passion really was. Well, totally. I think uh, I never would have called it science. Like, Joe, when you're growing yeah. up, you're just interested in things. Just like things and how they're working. And obviously, like a lot of people, uh, football was one of the things I was most interested in. Uh, so kind of football, physics, astronomy, engineering, that kind of general kind of vibe. But obviously, I wanted to become a professional footballer. That was the goal. Okay. And, so uh, how did that work? What, the football? Yeah, well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had started uh, studying physics in UCD. So I was about, say, 18, but obviously playing football all up like through, through like schoolboy football and I uh, signed for Shamrock Rovers when I was 17 which would have been leaving cert year uh, so went full-time professional in leaving cert year which was training four days a week one game and then a warm-down session so six days of a seven-day week uh, so full-time professional football as well as the leaving cert and that was am I right in saying that was kind of the earlier the early times of um, League of Ireland becoming more professional as well, well it right? would have been uh, Shamrock Rovers would have been the biggest club in the country at the time mm. and funnily enough so I played for Shamrock Rovers for four seasons and uh, started studying theoretical physics in UCD and it was actually when uh, my studies were getting into kind of third year getting a little tricky big schedule that UCD offered me a sports scholarship and that was changed everything for me because football was in the one place, all my studies was in the one place. It made me made it possible to do both things to the highest level. But talking about teams getting to kind of more advanced, it was going from the top team in the country to, to UCD, who are in the same league, yeah, just different down levels. towards different the levels. other end of yeah, the yeah. table. And UCD was infinitely more advanced in terms of using science to improve the performance of players. And it completely changed my career as a footballer. So I would have got injured loads at Shamrock Rovers, young player, and we're just all training as a team and picked up a lot of injuries. Went to UCD, worked with sports scientists. I mean, every type of sports scientist, strength and conditioning, dietitians, nutritionists, everything. Uh, Became a much better player. And then was able to, yeah, play in the League of Ireland and uh, graduate theoretical physics at the same time. And it was m- mad schedules. So, yeah. um, 
before we kind of uh, go on with your football career for theoretical physics, why theoretical physics? Why not, man? <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, it was one of those almost last-minute decisions, and that was from pressure that was not pressure, but so it's everyone's expectations of what I was going on to study. They're like, Mark likes sports, he likes science, he's clearly going to study sports science. Yes, yes. And that I was like, oh, does that make sense, everyone? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I guess that's what everyone thinks I should do. And I'd say I was months away from filling in the CEO and about to put down other people's decisions for what well, it made sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember just thinking about it, thinking about it. I was like, what do I want to be? Uh, when I'm older, I have no clue. I really don't know how you're meant to know yeah. when you're 17 and 18 what you want to be when you're 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, I, I have no idea what I want to eat for breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So I decided, I was like, I'm going to take a risk. It sounds like a risk, but it makes so much sense. And I think younger people these days are way more onto it. Where I was like, right, I don't know what job I want, but I'm going to think back on my long 17 years of life and figure out what were the things I liked mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I like playing football, clearly. But in terms of studying, it was physics, engineering, uh, and astronomy. So I was like, what if I just study something that I like <laughs> and then hope everything else works out? And I did. I just was like, right, sports science off. Yeah. And I was like, it was then just between astrophysics physics, astronomy, and space science, or theoretical physics, and just went for theoretical physics because they were the the books that I would read. Like in my spare time, when you're trying to relax, you'd read theoretical physics books. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do that, and did that. And I think it was an excellent decision to choose something based on if you like it, rather than not not what job is this going to get me. Luckily, I knew from physics and maths that you're going to be prepared for jobs in the future. Yes. Physics graduates have huge opportunities, especially high levels of mathematics. You could get a job anywhere. Yeah. And there was a huge broad kind of field that physicists go into. I'm like, sweet, this is what I'm into. No idea where it's going to end up, but I'll definitely have good skills that people will like. So that whole uh, marriage between football and theoretical physics, there's no truth in the rumor that you came up with this whole concept of XG. Is there... <laughs> Because that sounds very theoretical physics to me. <laughs> does sound like me, but yeah. Lord, no, yeah. not even slightly. It was a cool balance between uh, studying and then going in. And luckily at UCD, a lot of the players were studying mm-hmm. in lots of different areas. But I remember even at, at Shamrock Rovers, like you'd be yeah. going in and like people would say, what are you doing? Like you haven't a clue. Like I'd say yeah. there's very few theoretical physicists in the League of Ireland. No one really. So, where, where, where in in your uh, career then? When did it become? So it was kind of more of a balanced thing between football and and your studies. When did it become more tilted towards um, physics and science? Then at that stage. So in UCD, the head of the Institute of Physics was there, and they had this program called Physics Busking, which was basically a group of physicists who would just take stuff and go out onto the street and like like musicians would busk, they would instead do physics demonstrations with the general public. And they were looking for volunteers. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. And went out and just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like it was so much fun. I love that vibe, that energy. You're on the street and like that challenge of like someone's walking into Brown Thomas and you're like, would you like to learn about friction? And they're like, would you? (laughs) And so you have such a challenge of trying to figure out how to catch their attention 
immediately when they don't want to listen to you. They've got other plans and you're trying to teach them some physics stuff. But when they stop, they enjoy it. So it was like learning how to break this physics down into like really attractive chunks that would stop someone or a question that would get them thinking. And I just thought it was really fun. Uh, you get to perform and see what's working. And I did that for a number of years and really just wanted to do more of it and was looking out around kind of Ireland and couldn't really see maybe too many other opportunities like this. So I started making up my own stuff, going out on my own, uh, going out with like different groups of people, other students, started filming some of it then and making uh, science videos. So I got really into yeah the, the filming of physics yeah. uh, videos. So a really kind of science engagement and communication angle and really just love that and just kept going further and getting bigger and bigger and doing mad things like because yeah. that's one of the things where when I started studying physics, physics is incredibly cool. And it like it doesn't always come across like that. And I felt bad that other people had this opinion of physics going, ah, oh, like it's challenging or it's a bit boring. I was like, ah, oh, you just have been talking to the wrong people. So I kind of took that responsibility. Where have we any physics heads here, actually? Nice, okay, okay sweet. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, okay. No, they don't understand physics. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just started kind of blending, uh, the kind of investigating the physics behind uh, everyday things. Yeah. Uh, that's where, like, the physics of breakdancing came from, physics of football. So it's just physics in our daily lives connected to things we like. Which, again, you know, it really makes it... Uh, approachable to people and they can understand it better mm. than which is which is great. So um so from what you're describing so far, like it just seems like it was just a it was a continual upwards trajectory really for your mark. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly no that's not not the case like yeah so uh, people always say this and you don't really know success until you've had a few setbacks and stuff. So and, and I'm sure you had a few knocks along the way and probably probably even just convincing like we see like Science shows and fun science shows um, and science on TV, it's only really in the last kind of 10 years that that's become, you know, a a regular thing. Absolutely. Like, you have to think this is like 15 years ago when, like, we talk about it now where it's like, I started making science videos and doing this. Like, that wasn't a thing. There wasn't a job at the end of that. So while you're doing it, you're like, I don't know, like, you're not getting paid to do this and it's not a job at the end of it. So you're, again, doing it because you like it and you think it's having a good impact on someone. Mm. But it's easy to look back and go, yeah, now it's my job. But, like, it totally wasn't then. So you're doing this and spending weekends going to festivals and stuff, again, doing it for free with no idea that this will ever go anywhere bar just being fun and uh, hopefully having good impact as well. But I think football is great for teaching you about having setbacks mm. and get overcoming them like uh but I always found some kind of relaxation in when I was to do physics on the streets. Because if you make a mistake on the pitch, like you've three to 4,000 people saying the most disgusting, terrible things about you uh, really loud. And like I would, and, your, and your mother and everybody like belonging to my, like, <laughs> I, like my mother, I would ban her from going to games. But there's one particular team that do not like me. And it was Finn Harps, uh, Donegal. And... Oh, really? No, you're not a Finn Harps man. You're really, actually. Just a deep breath. He, like, and he knew. He yeah, knew yeah, yeah. He put his head down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they would give, and I enjoyed it, like, because yeah. it's, it's, but <laughs> I remember my mom was at one of the games, and I play on the wings, 
And so like <laughs> at one point in the game, you will be standing beside all of their fans. And my God, the stuff they were saying, I was like way too far. And my mother just come up to me and she goes, Mark, what did you do to these people? <laughs> I was like, man, I didn't do anything. And don't believe any of it. Uh, but you learn how to to overcome these things and to yeah, to move forward with them. Like you have weekly setbacks yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in sports. Um, one of like the, the biggest obstacles that I had was I ex- was extremely shy as a kid, uh, extremely shy, which I know you would not guess it now, <laughs> but like even playing under 16s, under 17s, like they used to make fun of me because they used to go, Mark, you, your mouth opens, does it? Mm. So like that's how much I didn't talk or, or speak. And when I thought it was really cool that you get to you could do physics stuff, I like you didn't have the ability yeah, to yeah. stand and people to stare at you. And to be able to not only open your mouth, but open your mouth and make sense. So that was one of the biggest obstacles I had where I had the desire to speak, but I was too afraid of what people would think of me. So that was something that took a a very long time to overcome. And it was only really when my desire to do it became greater than the fear of failure doing it, that uh, I just really overcame it by doing it uh, and doing a lot of it. Yeah, I'm sure it was probably a few key people along the way that probably helped you with that well I have to say I think it was a very personal journey um, really because I think it was something that I noticed uh, that I needed to develop about myself Mm -hmm. and it was no one else's responsibility by myself to do that Uh, if you're in football there's not generally well I didn't have any say that person puts their arm around your neck around you and just goes talks you through it uh, it was more open your mouth yeah, 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 right. type of stuff yeah, yeah. where you're kind of like, ah, oh, crap, I got to do it. And yeah, you, you kind of get forced to that way. Yeah. But then it was really a, like an internal journey otherwise okay. where I was looking out and like you turn up to something and you'd be like, oh, I really love if I could do that. And then you don't do it. Then you go home and you're like, why didn't I just do it? And then you have years of that to the point where you're like, right, screw it. I'm just going to do it. I don't yeah. care. And the first few times might suck. But then after a while, they're like, people generally don't care. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was the one who was caring more than they did. Yeah, yeah. And you always think people are looking at you more than they are. Yes. Uh, they generally don't care too much. Yeah. If you fluff up or something, or you, people don't mind at all. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, it was a very uh, personal journey, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but was there anybody in the wider context that inspired you? Um, there was definitely, like, I think friends who I uh, can were more role models I generally didn't really feel like I connected with uh like superstars yeah. in any way just never they were too far away yes and you're like I'm not yeah. like that uh but it was more just kind of I suppose other people doing the physics busking uh where you look around going they can do it yeah like so like whatever they have you can develop that you might not be born with that immediate extrovert type of personality but it's something that can be mm-hmm. developed yeah. um so I suppose it is looking around at other people and go if anyone if other people can do it yeah. then you can learn to do it uh, so that was really it yeah so our wonderful collection of students yes. here are all on the cusp of starting off in their career so what might be a bit of advice that you give them Mark? well these are incredibly talented people with savage hoodies by the way <laughs> these are really nice hoodies you got but i think something that from my own experience uh especially now when i think there's so much more of a pressure on younger people to figure it out quicker yes. and to, to know what you want to do. And there's like young people starting space companies and you're like, oh my God, I need to hurry up in what I'm doing. 
and there's that huge pressure to make a decision, I would totally say really pick something that you really enjoy and are passionate about. And it sounds easy to say, and it is easy to say, it's just not easy to pick that thing and go for it. Uh, even if you don't know exactly where it's going, you don't have to see the, the whole staircase. You just need to see the first step. But that is something that uh, made a big difference to me because when things get tougher later in life, which they do for everyone, uh, having that passion and enjoyment for the work that you're doing will mean that you'll stick with it yeah. when it gets tough uh, and you'll spend the extra hours doing it and you'll enjoy it so much more. I think if I figured out the, that happiness is the most important thing, if I figured that out earlier, I think it would have been a much easier path right. for me. So I always try to get people to figure that out quick that really you might not know it now, but like when you get to your late 20s and, and 30s, you'll figure out that being happy with what you're doing is more important than anything else, including like money, really. But then the cool thing is, if you do pick something that makes you happy, you'll be good at it. And if you're good at something, people pay you to do it. So that was something I think uh, yeah, no, could be really, really strong. Great advice. Right. Any questions from, uh, from you guys? We'll definitely get a chance to go around and you can ask questions on that as well because this is a cool place. But yo. Oh, I thought you were just fixing your hair. Sorry, I am fixing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't have a question. Oh, you were just kind of like this. Finn Harps fan. No, no, it's only the bad the fake ones that be shouting like that. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Oh, that is the, the toughest place to go. It's about a 12-hour bus journey up there. Oh, it's a nice fan road. It's so grim. You find out, you're like, oh, I got Finn Harps away. Crap. I'm going to have to cancel the rest of my life. And what they actually used to do, because UCD, uh, the players are quite like talented with the ball. Mm -hmm. They just bring the sidelines in and then they just make the pitch much smaller. <laughs> you'd go up and you'd see that they just scrubbed out the sidelines and just brought them in like a meter. And you're like, it's not even the size. It's not even regulation size. Yeah. Oh, she has a question. Now. Oh, there we go. <laughs> How did you... Um, oh, sorry, I'm going to figure out How did you like... I think the, the easiest thing for me was that I played sport because mm. that meant I had a weekly chance to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that did really help me where uh, I literally had a chance every week mm -hmm. to stand in front of 4,000 people and try and do better so like if i was on the pitch and maybe i wasn't vocal enough or i didn't feel comfortable enough i got a chance the next week so i literally took the lessons from that though and tried to bring them into say my, my career outside of football so like i knew that re repetition was important because i would know from playing football if say i had a match every week but say there was like an international break where i didn't have a match for like three weeks first match back I'd be extra kind of nervous so I definitely felt the more I played and the more it became normal to try it it helped so when I was doing say the physics stuff I knew I had to do enough of it like just just I needed the opportunity each time because the longer I left it you'd kind of you'd start going back into your old kind of self um, but then it was really from years of just not doing what I really wanted to inside of me like looking out going 
I wish I could stand up and do this or do that. And just going home and being like, good Lord, like figure it out. Like these are the things you want to do. So the only person holding me back was me. So I was like, ah, that's thick. Like there's going to be lots of people in the world who try and hold you back. You can't be one of them. So I was like, I got to figure this out. Like I can't stop be the person who's stopping myself. But I definitely felt I had to do a lot of repetition. So I took pretty much every opportunity to engage with the public. I did it. Uh, it wouldn't have been comfortable, but I was like, like you don't always want to do this, but you're like, I'll learn. Like, I might not want to do this now, but I'll definitely get stronger somehow from doing it. Uh, and yeah, did. Do you still get any nerves? No, no. And it's kind of worrying, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I think I'm becoming a bit weird. But no, I would say... Um, do I feel not really and I think it's more of a thing now and when you've done so much stuff you realise that everyone's just a human also going through their own stuff Uh, and like there's a certain type of I suppose nerves that's good yes so you would get nerves where it totally helps like even for football or if you're going live on TV you need them because it makes you sharper like the brain gets sharper the heart rate increases like you need that so that never goes but other than that, I would never be kind of like, oh, God, like, I hope this is going to go well. Like, is you really have to kind of make sure that the kind of positive thinking and the belief in yourself is really important. And yeah. uh, again, I think you get that from from football. If you start doubting yourself, that's when you start making the mistakes. Yeah. And I've done that enough. So I've done that so many times to think, well, it's my own brain that's screwing me up on it. And you're like, well, like positive thinking is giving me the best chance out there. It doesn't always work out, yeah, yeah. but it's giving me the best chance. So I should at least give myself the best chance of doing well. So yeah, no, I, I think any kind of public stuff, I generally don't feel like it's it's me up there versus them. I love making it about everyone and realizing that like everyone, we're all just literally living on the planet, trying to figure things out. And I think that brings you back down as well when you think of that perspective. Yeah, um, sure. Absolutely. Any other questions? Sorry. Oh, no, there's... Uh, um, oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Um, how did you manage so much when you were in the That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, because fun. I tell you, I get a lot of people who would say, oh, I gave up all, like, say they, they played a music instrument, they're like, oh, I gave it up in my leaving cert year. And I'm like, why? So I think it's very individual to the person. And I do think from... Uh, the type of things they were and how different they were that they actually helped each other. So like you would, even when I was in university, like you'd study like all throughout the day and go to classes. And then at like 5.30, you'd go from the library to train and until like maybe 8.30 or 9. That's extreme, intense exercise where you're shouting and screaming and tackling. And it was almost exactly what I needed to be able to immediately go back to the library afterwards. It was that, I think actually the balance really, really helped me. Um, I think time management and discipline on that is is really important as well. But uh, I think I found it really actually helped me kind of get a break from school and stop thinking about it. Because I found even now that I'm not really playing football anymore, you feel like you have more time, but you don't ever get that break. So instead of like having a break, like really intense break for doing something completely different. 
and feeling relaxed and rejuvenated where you're like, right, I'm ready to go back and maybe sit down and plan stuff out. You're kind of just always in the mode of work and you become less productive as time goes on. So I felt the actual short, intense breaks really, really helped. Um, but it, it also was tricky for sure um, to be able to balance both. But it was, I felt it was, it was one year and I felt like fifth year is when you get a lot of work done. Uh, and kind of sixth year, I felt, I felt I could, I could balance it, balance it. And I felt both of the two <coughs> things were kind of helping me in my, my, the things I wanted to do. I think that was one of the things I wanted to do both of them. So I think when you really want to do both, you find a way how to do it. Any other questions? Had a very busy day. Yeah, really. Yeah, and yeah I think, cool. I think some of them may not have gone to bed before. Maybe yeah, I've heard that already. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell. I still haven't found out why yeah, you were yeah. up that late. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm interested. Any questions in from out. the big physics nerds at the back? No, <laughs> physics nerds. No. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. <laughs> is there is there anyone who is say balancing like you were saying other stuff? At the same time, what year is everyone in, by the way? What we got? It's a mix of... It's a mix. Third and fifth. Third and fifth. Okay, cool. And fourth. Sweet. You guys have no stress. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, do you, do you ever, like... You know how you're... Uh, do you ever, like, go out to different uh, sciences and even demonstrate different science uh, things? Uh, that makes sense. Um, like, you know how you, you like to demonstrate physics? Mm. Do you ever go into... You think now... Do you ever uh, develop into something like chemistry or something like bio, uh, something to demonstrate biolo- uh, biological science? Yeah, and I tell it with physics, what makes them go together so well is physical demos are the easiest ones to do. Like, uh, say if you're doing a science show here and you're trying to impress people, they're generally physical demos. Like, you're not going to be able to engage everyone and be like, watch this plant in 10 weeks, it will grow. Like, it's one of those that... I think physics just really lent itself to doing physical demos. Chemistry too, because you can blow stuff up. So we do uh, a lot of chemistry things as well. So on the RTE show that we do, we generally do have quite a mix of kind of physics, chemistry, biology, or, or any different types of technology as well. I tend to, in my own, like the things that I'm in full control of, tend to lean towards the physics side of it, because just that's what I'm most interested in. Um, but yeah, certainly like all the sciences are of interest to me, like, you almost sound like you have an idea. I love the way like, we, we'll discuss yeah. later. He's, he's like, I have an idea. Like, let's see if we can do this. Um, right. Um, so the lads will be pitching their presentations to a, a senior panel on Thursday. So as a great science communicator, what would be a bit of advice you Is it give as, as groups? Or? Uh, so we've got six, six teams. Okay. Yeah. And each person does have have a different role in that team. They will have, yeah, by the time it comes around. Okay. Yeah, so they're almost like pretend companies. Oh, very good. Yeah. yeah. And they're all pitching a different uh, product or service, and the panel will have a different role depending on the team that they're talking to. On Thursday. This yeah. is cool. Yeah. And they're to bring in all the knowledge that they've learned from me and Caroline and our guest speakers over the last few days and tomorrow, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone who's really looking forward to it, by the way? I see. Yeah. <laughs> not, maybe not, not anyone, re- anyone just looking forward to it in general. Yeah, okay, cool. Anyone, like, kind of nervous about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the majors are up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Thursday. <laughs> the majors will be a wreck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like something that I think, like especially if I'm <clears throat> presenting or especially on TV, and I think uh, when you're presented on TV, you get a couple chances to do it, but generally no one wants you to mess up. Yeah. So there is that kind of pressure there. And something that I do, if you have your plans and I'm sure you know what you'd like to like get across and the point of what you want to get across, whoever has the role of uh, maybe being the one speaking, I think it really just helps to like you can, I think, take it from two approaches, but plan out what you're going to say. Uh, even like the first five sentences, like have the first five sentences written down and learn them off because you'll have a good, such a strong start that you'll just kind of flow into the rest of it. So you could either uh, break it into bullet points and not script it, which is what I prefer to do because if you script it and you miss a word, you're kind of like, oh, what was that word? And the word doesn't even matter. No, it doesn't. But you're, no. you, but you're thrown on it. So my preferred way to do it is bullet points. Likewise, uh, absolutely. And, and kind of get what is the main gist of the message I'm trying to get across and a few of those bullet points and then just kind of naturally go through it as well. But like practicing it definitely helps. There's such obvious things, but I even know when uh, someone hands you a script mm. or, or whatever or the, the physics demonstration, uh, I generally use this room and I, I mock up the space so if I know what the room's going to look like, I'll put the table in that place. I'll put some chairs out and I'll walk through and verbally practice out loud, by the way, as well. I find I have to talk oh, totally. and the words yeah, yeah. have to be heard yeah. out loud. So it might sound weird, but like practice it together as a group. And if someone has the, the speaking role, uh, say the words speak, out loud. All oh, you all have a speaking role. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I think the words being heard out loud definitely helps me um i like used to start off where you're you're, you're saying it in your head and you're like i find it's much easier to actually get the words out uh the bullet points things help me yeah. for sure don't don't maybe script everything because then you're stuck to it um uh but then practice it because you'll get kind of you'll hear it in your head i think you get more comfortable then uh with it so there's simple things i think sometimes you can overthink these and have like a million points where you're like when you're presenting people do this 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 and this sometimes i think it's just like they're people, you're people, everyone here can speak. So you already have the ability right now to do it. Yeah. So I would say not overthinking it is. is it's just a conversation. Reason. It's just a conversation. Yeah. You have them all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Right, we'll have loads of ch chances to practice and uh, try a few different things out. So uh, before we go exploring, exploring, Mark, maybe just give us a bit of background on, on why this facility was set up in the first place. So it would be on the back of uh, the work that I had been doing around the time was kind of creating either physical science exhibits or exhibitions or stage shows or engaging people in the street in science in not so usual ways, kind of informal ways of learning. Uh, so we got an amazing opportunity to create a giant center for displaying science principles, but in really interactive hands-on ways by either building exhibits, modifying exhibits, or buying exhibits. So picking different principles that you wanted to uh, get across and then really being really creative in how you can do this. So the bed of nails, for example, like instead of just talking about pressure and force and area, 
you have a big exhibit with 3,000 nails on it that you can really show that when you're you're spread out over all the nails, the pressure and the force is, is less. So it's just finding different ways to engage people in kind of the STEM uh, fields with like free reign to go absolutely mental on the imagination. So like you've seen the loop bike, the roller coaster bicycle, like that started from one of the physics demos that I do, which is uh, you might have seen it before. You get basically get like a saucer and there's some strings on it and you can put a, cu- a cup on it and spin it around. So you just have centripetal force makes the, the water from the cup not spill. And I was obsessed with astronaut training. So I wanted to get a centrifuge. So I wanted to get something <laughs> horizontal that would spin people around. And like through some different drawings and stuff like that, it don't know how it ended up vertical. And I was kind of like, oh, that's new and different. And it was really tough because it took months to build. And all the forces we figured out, like the, the forces that the bicycle would go through, like the bike kept cracking. This oh, is not man. when we were open, by the way. This is <laughs> beforehand. But on the way down, of course, you, you, you have more force pushing down. So the, the bike frame would crack, but you couldn't get a, a heavy bike because it needs to be light enough to be able to go around. Uh, all of these things. So you have that. You have the Tesla coil, which was one of my favorite things because I'm obsessed with lightning and Nikola Tesla. And I thought having a huge Tesla coil to teach people about electricity would be an awesome yeah. thing to do. So it's basically just a huge team of people here, different designers, creators, scientists getting together to try and think of ways of creating cool science uh, exhibits and experiences. And then you have this and you'll see there's a huge uh, sports aspect to it as well. So that would again kind of been my influence to use sports as the hook yes. uh, to show the kind of understanding uh, more about how you're moving can help you yeah. and showing how much science helps athletes. So the kind of basic... The more you learn, the better you can get at something, or sports or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and then we have this mad place. All right. Mm. Fantastic. Well, listen, let's go explore the mad place. But first, let's thank Mark. I don't think I know anybody that is as enthusiastic about science as Mark Langtree and it was an absolute joy to speak to him a few weeks ago and of course you'll get to see Mark doing his science guy thing at the 60th BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition in January. I know it sounds a long way away but we have just launched uh, the 60th exhibition and if you are interested in putting in an entry you can do so right now. Head over to BT youngscientist.com for all the details you will not regret it and you'll have an amazing time in the rds in january if you make it that far of course a lot of people put in entries not everyone gets to go but you could always visit if you don't anyway uh, that's it for another episode of stem inspirations we'll be back shortly with more interesting insights from the world of science in the meantime mind yourselves out there and remember stay curious mm-hmm.